day the Lord has given us. Well, go ahead and find your seat and finish up your conversations here, and we'll get started this morning, or this afternoon. Bright enough in here to be morning. Live streamers, we want to welcome you also. Um, if you're a regular, welcome back. We're so happy to see you. And if you're just tuning in for the first time, welcome. And we're glad that you came. If you don't know about our church here in um, Only Believer, we're a family of faith. We love God and we put all of our hope and trust in His Son, Jesus. We love each other. We bear each other's burdens. If you're looking for a home, come and join us here on Wednesdays at 7, Sundays at 10. We're at 701 South Walnut Street here in Urbana. And love to have you. If you want to know more about the good news of Jesus, how much God loves you, this is a great place to be. We have a few announcements this afternoon. Let me pull them up here. First, we have a box in the back. We're collecting school supplies for kids. Sorry, guys. I'm trying. Um, there's a list on the front. So please take a look at the list. And if you see something, pick it up for our kids. Throw it in the box. We're going to distribute those to all the families here. And the leftovers, we're going to the elementary school to help those families also. So they will not go to waste. Pick up extras. Um, secondly, there's a sign-up in the back. I see a lot of you have signed up. We're so excited for our ladies' night. It's going to be, it's called Coffee and Crafts, because coffee first. The plan is to have a couple of options. So we're going to have, like, iced coffee, maybe some frozen, hot, whatever you prefer. And then we'll get going on our crafts. You can have something to take home. Of course, great fellowship, some time so please sign up for that it's in the back that's going to be july 10th sorry july 16th you got plenty of time put that in your calendars july 16th july 10th is something also that's going to be our picnic um, that's at the miller's barn and she will have chicken for us but we have to bring the sides so norm what you want to bring put that on your grocery list and come on out and join us for that. We also have our um, youth camp. There's a poster on the backboard. That's going to be July 21st through the 23rd. So that's 5th through 12th grade. We just wrapped up our VBS last night for the younger kids. And that was a fantastic time. And I know you guys will have just as great time at camp. So if you have any questions, please see Pastor Kylan. I'm sure he can answer all of those for you. And that'll bless your kids, too. So sign up if you can. That's it. Those are all of our announcements. So we want to just go ahead and pray tonight. Of course, we want to welcome, welcome to God to be with us. We're going to get started in some anointed worship. And I'm just so happy that you guys are all here tonight. And Lord God, we are just happy for you. We are so thankful to be in your house. Lord, we are so thankful that you're not just a God who just only sits on your throne and looks upon your people, but you come to be with us. You place your Holy Spirit inside of us. And Lord, we pray tonight as we lift our praises to you, that you would inhabit those praises, that you would be amongst your people. 
Lord, we're here tonight because we need you. We lean on you, and we trust that you are who you say you are. Lord, we know that the victory is found in you, that all authority has been given to your son, Jesus. And we count on that. God, we just stand in awe and wonder at the splendor and, and just the majesty of who you are. Who can be compared to you, God? And so it is such our pleasure tonight to lift our voices in honor and glorify your holy name. Please stand on your feet tonight and lift your voice to our King. Amen.
forget where we were saved from. Just like the, uh, the Israelites, they were saved and they were in this wilderness and they've been there so long, they forgot the bondage that they were set free from. So as we sing this, let's remember what he has saved us from, that whom the sun sets free is free indeed, that we get to live in that mindset where we have heaven waiting for us, that he is preparing a place even now. Hallelujah. Step out of the shadows, come out of the grave, break into the wild, and don't be afraid. Run into wide open spaces, graces waiting for you. Dance like the weight has been lifted, graces.
to the fullness of his love. And he wants you to have that fullness. Amen. Well, we're so glad to have you here. If you would, just go around and greet some of your family of faith this evening and kids and youth. You guys are dismissed as well. Amen. Live streamers, it's good to have you. If you're watching online somewhere on Facebook or YouTube, it's good to have you tonight. It's good to have everybody here in the house. Amen. We're going to take up tithing offerings, so if you have something to give, um, you can... Uh, Prepare that. There's offering envelopes and chair in front of you. Um, and if you want that, if not, and there's, uh, I know the ushers keep those stocked, but if for some reason there's not one there, you may wave your hand around and one of the ushers will help you out. But let me pray over your giving tonight, then, then you can bring it forward. Lord, we thank you uh, to be in your house once again on this midweek, this Wednesday, Lord, and it's, it's a privilege to be here, to be amongst the family of faith that, that we are a part of, and I pray, Lord, uh, as we give tonight, as always, Lord, that, that you are with us, and, and, and we know that our heart is what is being changed by our giving. There's something happening there, Lord, and I thank you that you don't leave us as we are, but you take us somewhere and you make us into something you intend us to be, Lord. You draw out this new creation, which we are on the inside, Lord. So, Lord, uh, I pray blessings as as we give tonight, Lord, that, that everybody has the abundance of this day, their daily bread and beyond, so we can be those who uh, are a blessing to others. So you pr providing that seed to the sower, I pray that we are actively those who sow. And it's a, a way of life, it's a way of being. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on down and bring it. Uh, we just got done with three nights of vacation Bible school. That's why half of us here are very tired, all right? But you know what, uh, team, th those of you that came and helped with that, 
You guys did a phenomenal job, an incredible job. We could not have done it without you. And um, uh, I appreciate you so much, e even the, the team that came today and clean the church after our big mess the last three nights. We appreciate everything that happened to make the BBS happen. So I will tell you this, uh, last night at the very end, we had 17 kids raise their hand to, to pray the prayer to give their life to Jesus. So that was so cool. And um, uh, I think, you know, we had maybe 30 or more kids uh, the last couple of nights. So it was a very good, uh, three nights. It was a lot of work, a lot of prep. A lot of you did a lot of work for it, but certainly worth it. We love our kids. We believe in our kids, and our kids are vitally important to our church. Um, so anyways, thank you for that. And I, I know Lila ran off to uh, be with the youth hangout, but she was just on a mission trip a week ago with, with the Bakken's churches. So they were down in Hazard, Kentucky, believe it or not. You know, I was expecting cars be flying, chased by the police. If you're my age, you know what I'm talking about. Anyways, um, if not, whatever. Um, but they had a great time. They went down, and, and their teams built handicap ramps for those that needed it but couldn't afford to do it, and some different projects like that. So maybe we'll let Lila share at some point about that. But they had a great time on that missions trip a couple weeks ago. So in other words, we're, we're getting our youth active, and uh, uh, just we want them to experience God. You are never too young to be serious about Jesus. I say that all the time. And we believe that for our young people. So, how about this? Let's just, I just felt right at the end of worship there, just to speak some refreshing to you tonight. That, that the Holy Spirit would refresh us tonight, right in here. How many of y'all could use a refreshing? Anybody? Okay, let's, let's do that. Lord, just give, give yourself to his presence for a moment. Lord, refresh us. Lord, it's a work only you can do. So Holy Spirit, come, fill us once again. At, go ahead, just, see, just ask for that filling. Holy Spirit, fill us. Lord, fill me, Lord. Refresh me. Revitalize me. Bring me back to the joy of my salvation. In Jesus' name. Come on, just ask him. You've got to be responsive to his, his calling and his leading. Lord, fill us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, sometimes, sometimes when, when um, God is calling you, the effect of the call doesn't get through because you don't shake the cobwebs loose. You know what I'm talking about? God doesn't leave us. He's with us. And, and I understand there's certain uh, ways we describe seasons of life, like dry seasons and, and things like that. I get that, and those, those are true. But I don't believe that God leaves us. And sometimes I think the Lord is trying to grab hold of us like that, but because we don't shake the cobweb, you understand what I mean by that? We don't shake our cobwebs loose. We kind of miss it or, or don't receive it. There, there is a, 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 always God reaching to us. He always is. But you have to respond. And sometimes responding takes you shaking the cobwebs loose, putting something aside, and giving yourself over. You know what I'm talking about? So I, I would encourage you, 
if, you, if you're just like, I need a refresher. I believe God's doing something. There would be a reason why I felt that. But over the next two, three, four days, you just keep asking, Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me. And, and where you feel like you've got to shake some cobwebs loose, do it. Where you feel like you need to lay something down, lay it down. Because sometimes God wants to do something, but our hindrances to the fullness of what he wants to do happens. All right? You see what I'm saying? So, so we got we to clear things out to fully receive. Amen? Okay. That's not what I'm preaching about tonight. The book of Romans, this is where we're at. We're going to be here for a while. And I understand, listen, I know that this is not a glamorous, glitzy, uh, pull a quote and post it on Facebook kind of, of series. I get it. This is not those uh, you find doing reels and TikToks and things like that. There's no catchy things with this series. This is the book of Romans. It's deep. It's a bit tedious. And we got to work through it. So this is like our third week in the book of Romans. And we're actually only getting to chapter three. And if you ever notice, there's 16 chapters in this book. So, having said that, we may be here for a while. But that's okay. No reason to rush. Um, but the book of Romans is considered Paul's greatest letter that he wrote. And, of course, all the things that Paul wrote are, are vitally important to our understanding of the Christian faith as it began to play out after the uh, ascension of Jesus. Without recapping, uh, I don't want to go back into the intro again, but, but real quick, Paul wrote the book of Romans to the church in Rome. And it was a letter sent in advance of the anticipation visitation to Rome on his way to Spain. That was Paul's plan. First, he had to take a collection that was received back to the Jerusalem church. Even in the, in the letter, he asked for prayers of protection because he feared for his life uh, going back there. But then he planned after that to head towards Spain, visit Rome on the way. But he sent this letter to Rome in advance of his visit there. Um, pretty much in a certain way to get everybody on the same page about what the gospel of Jesus and salvation is all about. Uh, the letter is received by Gentile, non-Jewish Christians and also Jewish Christians. Maybe in that a smattering of, of Jews who had not faith in Jesus, but were adherents to the law. Okay, so it was a mixture of people that may have heard, just mainly Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians, that were uh, together in the Roman churches and trying to figure out how to exist together. And this is something Paul is dealing with in so much of his writing in the epistles that we find in the New Testament, is you have Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians, and the Jewish Christians are still following the law, and the Gentile Christians are not, and how are we going to get along, and what's that mean? And he's constantly dealing with it, trying to remove the hostility in that situation to make everybody understand we are one in the family of faith. Okay? So a little bit of backdrop. So what is salvation about? What is justification? What is living by faith with that as a backdrop? So that's the book of Romans. So we're just going to jump right back in this. Romans chapter 3 is where we left off last time, the beginning of chapter 3. So let's go back there. And um, I'm going to try not to go verse by verse. I'd love to get through chapter 3 and 4 tonight. So we'll just see. Um, maybe, maybe hit some highlights here. But Romans chapter 3, verse number 1. So he's picking up that leading off where we left off. 
that circumcision is not an outward thing that matters, but it is a matter of the heart, and circumcision of the heart is done by the Spirit. And in that, our praise is not from man, but is from God. Okay, so that leads into chapter 3, verse number 1. Then what advantage has the Jew? Or what is the value of circumcision? So it says, much in every way. To begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. So what's happening here is, remember, Paul makes his opening, and the great thesis of the book of Romans, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Amen. For it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, first for the Jew, for the Gentile, right? And, and he, he closes out saying, the just shall live by faith, pulling from uh, the Old Testament prophets, and, and, and he's making a case that the Old Testament, the prophets, even the laws we see lead into what this is all about. They testify to the gospel, and that is in Jesus. So is there an advantage to being a Jew? Well, certainly, they're, they're the chosen people of God. And this language he uses, first for the Jew, then the Gentile, in all of this, God does never overlook his chosen people. And he brings this up because, you, you see, he kind of goes back and forth this letter. He, he doesn't want to give the Jewish believers or the Gentile believers the upper hand over the other because they can use his letter to kind of get after each other a little bit. So is there value to being a Jew? Yes. So, so Gentiles, relax. Okay? We're not replacing God's chosen people. They are the covenant people that brought Jesus to us. And there's value there. But, but if you pair that, if you jump down to verse number 9, what then? Are, are Jews any better off? No, not at all. So, so yes, there's value to being the people of God, but they're better off than the Gentiles? No. For we are a charge that all, both Jews and Greeks or Gentiles, are under sin. Okay? So Paul has been making a case up to this point. It don't matter who you are, you're standing, Jew, uh, Gentile, under the law, not under the law. Everybody is in sin, okay? Now, what's interesting, if you go back to this argument that, uh, well, there is a value, there's an advantage to being a Jew. Um, look at verse number three of chapter three. But what if some, and talking about some uh, of the, the Jews that had been under the law, what if some were unfaithful? Does their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? By no means. Let God be true, though everyone were a liar, as it is written, this is uh, a quote from Psalm 51, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. But if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Now, now, here's something that, that's very interesting. Paul is making a case that says, look, although God desires for all of us to be faithful to him, it is actually the unfaithfulness of the covenant people, and, and what he's referring to, just read the Old Testament. I mean, constantly there was this call to faithfulness, and, and the Jewish people were not faithful. They fell into idol worship and all this different stuff, and then they're exiled, Right? Then he, then he brings them out of being in exile. Then, then they go back in. It's just constant uh, 
God calling a faithful people who end up being unfaithful. But he's saying this, look, what's wonderful about this is that although there's unfaithfulness not good, the unfaithfulness of people actually highlights the faithfulness of God. Think about that. That God's faithfulness always shines through, even in the midst of our unfaithfulness. That is something to always remember. God is faithful. So in the book of Romans and, and other writings of Paul, that word when, when righteous, when Paul is saying the righteousness of God, part of the righteousness of God that he's getting at is God is faithful to his covenant purposes. That's the righteousness of God. That's his character. That's who he is. God is faithful. So if you want to take one point from Romans tonight, it's just look. God is faithful in spite of the unfaithfulness of man, and that is why we can have grace that saves us. If it wasn't for the faithfulness of God, there would be no grace to be saved. But thank goodness for his, his faithfulness. I know every morning that God is still the same. It, you need to take encouragement in that. Take some hope in that. Whatever your day was like today, it didn't change God. It may have changed you. It may have changed your attitude. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. It may have changed your mood. It may have changed an aspect of your hope. I don't know what's going on, but God didn't change. So how about we readjust back to him? You get up tomorrow morning, whatever your morning's like tomorrow, God's the same. If I live to be an old man, I'm almost there. God will be the same. He does not change. Even if I am unfaithful, God's faithfulness does not change. And we must find great hope in that. And Paul actually right there gets into something. He, he kind of, in a different way, but gets into in chapter 6, verse number 1, he kind of thinks, okay, now some of you may argue, if it's my unfaithfulness that brings out the faithfulness of God, then maybe we should just stay unfaithful because that keeps the shining faithfulness of God going. No, that's, that's not a good argument. All right? And, and actually, why, and, and he brings this up, why would we be judged then? Because if it's my unfaithfulness that brings out his faithfulness, why am I judged for my unfaithfulness? Well, it's because of the unfaithfulness of man that wrath comes. So we can't use backdoor arguments to live high one because God is faithful. Romans 6.1, he actually says this. So if when sin appears, grace increases. So why, don't I, why can't I just keep on sinning if grace keeps increasing? By no means do we think that way or live that way. That's what Paul says. So we should not, in other words, ever try to purposely take advantage of the faithfulness of God. Because I know he's faithful, it doesn't allow license for me to be unfaithful. That's trying to take advantage of it. Because I know his grace is in abundance and abounds, that does not give me excuse to be in sin. Kind of like, well, I know tomorrow morning I'm going to ask for forgiveness, so I'm going to be purposely in sin tonight, because I know God will forgive me. That's not the way this works. So, so Paul and I didn't read that part of that verse right there, but Paul kind of makes the argument, let's not go there. That's not true. 
so after this verse 9 where we just were about, well, the Jews aren't any better because both the Greeks and the Jews or the Gentiles and Jews are under sin, there, there's some quotations right there starting in verse number 11. We won't read these all the way down through verse 18. Of different places in the Old Testament that highlight the sinfulness of man. You've got a bunch of quotations from some of the Psalms. There's a quotation from Ecclesiastes, Isaiah. You can check those out later. So down to verse 19, and Paul writes, Now we know that whatever the law says speaks to those who are under the law. That no, every mouth may be stopped. In other words, there's no boasting that I have the law or I, or I, I can earn things from God because I live the law. There's no boasting there. And in that, then the whole world may be held accountable to God. Okay, so those under the law are those that cannot be in any boasting, nor, nor can they be outside the accountability of what God has given them in the law. But watch what it says in verse 20. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Now, if you were here Sunday, we're talking about the images of salvation. And these, these series kind of go hand in hand a little bit. Remember, you can do nothing to earn your salvation. Justification is, is a, kind of a churchy word. Justification means that in God's sight, I am declared in right standing with him. I'm justified in his sight. I'm declared in a, in a final way that I'm in right standing with God. Justification is now working of our righteousness. And, and when I am justified, that means where I stand today from this moment and everything behind me is taken care of. I am justified. Therefore, I must continue to live sanctified. Okay? So today, how many of you today are in Christ Jesus. You're justified. You're justified in his sight. You're declared to be in right standing with him. Justification, all right? But Paul is saying here, you can't get that from following the law. The law cannot just, in other words, you can't do the works of the law then stand before God and say, look at all the good things I did, so I'm justified. The law can't save you. The law can't justify you. As a matter of fact, look what the law does. Since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So before the law, was there sin in the world? Yes. Okay. Did God leave that sin completely uh, undealt with, no, but in a certain way, as it says a couple times in Romans, there, there were certain ways that, that God dealt with it that he almost in a certain way overlooked it. It wasn't in remission or, or justified before him. But when the law came, for those that received the law, it made a very clear-cut case. This is sin and this is holy. Okay? So there is a way to live according to the law. So law made sin in a way that it's understandable, comprehensible, and now I have choices in life to live the way that God has given or live the other way, my way, man's way, 
Okay? So, so the law is one way that sin is actually uh, brought to light in our world. Okay? Now, those that received the law, we know the Jewish people received the law. But remember, Paul doesn't let the Gentiles off the hook either. Even though the Gentiles are not under the law, remember, in, in our first week, they stand before him in judgment simply because of creation. Creation testifies to a God who is out there, right? Then, then he later said the second thing, uh, argument that the Gentiles are, are receiving just uh, judgment is that in just the general ethics and morality of, of, of human living together and being proper with one another, we have a kind of a law. And when you violate those things, it accuses us. So whether or not the law was given directly to you or not, we all stand in a place before God where judgment is just. Everybody's under sin. Okay? But the law that was given highlights that there is sin. Now, here's the thing. If the law highlights that there is sin, you know what the law speaks because you can't be justified by the law? The law speaks that we need the gospel. The law shouts that we need the gospel. If the law could take care of business, why did Jesus have to come? Right? It could not bring fulfillment of justification. It couldn't bring fulfillment of the totality of salvation, the fullness of it that man needs. It was a foreshadow. It was, it was something as a guardian, as Paul writes later, a guardian to take us to Jesus. But it couldn't fulfill the deal. That's why Jesus came. The law in exposing sin shouts, we need a Savior. We need somebody who can fully justify us because even if you live to the fulfillment of all of that, it still doesn't close the deal. Amen. So let's keep going. So verse 21, down through 26, this is kind of uh, what we call, this is the highlight of Paul's gospel kind of the epicenter of, of the book of Romans. Watch this. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the what? The law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, watch 22 here, the righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus for all who believe. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a what? You can't earn it. There's nothing you can do to earn the grace of God, not by the outworking of living under the law, nor by anything outside of the law that we would consider just doing good life. You can't earn it. It only comes by faith in Christ Jesus for all who believe. So it's a grace is a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Who does this? Jesus. Who does it? Jesus. Who does it? Jesus. Not the law. Not Moses. Not Abraham himself. Right? 
Not any of the, of, of the, the leaders of Israel, not King David, right? Not any of the prophets, not Samuel, right? Not, not anybody, not even John the Baptist, not Mary. Let's throw a lady in there too. Nobody can save you and bring redemption to your soul except Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to the Father. So Paul is letting everybody know this is the gospel. Let's get on the same page here. Whether you are under the law or not under the law, this is the only way to be saved. You cannot earn this. It is a gift of grace. Okay? Now, he keeps on going here. Verse 25, who God put forth as a sacrifice. That word, uh, I always pronounce this wrong. Propitiation. There it is. That T-I-T-I-A-T always gets me. Anyways, that word means sacrifice. Whom God put forth as a sacrifice by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness. His what? His faithfulness. His character. Who he is. Because in his divine forbearance, he passed over the former sins. And again, this is the sins that were before the law. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, which is Jesus and after, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. So our faith is in him. So Paul is writing to the Roman church that says, let's all get on the same page here. Whatever your ethnic background is, let's get on the same page. Whatever your history is of religion, let's get on the same page. Whether or not you follow and live under law, let's get on the same page. It is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that allows the gift of grace for our salvation. We all are sinners, therefore we all need the Savior. Okay, let's see. Verse 28, let's jump down there. For we hold that, no, that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Now, what he's saying there again is, the family of God is extremely important to Paul. This is something we're going to keep saying. You, you could uh, teach from the book of Romans. It's there. Colossians. It's there. Philippians. It's there. All his letters. The family of faith is important to Paul. When he says, in Christ Jesus, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. He's saying, when we are in Jesus, we don't lose our distinctions, but yet we are one. That's extremely important to Paul. So if you are circumcised and under the law, through faith in him, we are in the same family as the uncircumcised one who does not live under the law if they are in faith in Jesus also. We're together. So let's live like it. Okay? 
Let's stop bickering and fighting and you should do this. You need to quit doing this. And if you, okay, no, no, no. Together as a family of faith. That's what Paul is dealing with in the early church. Now, verse 31, now again, he wants to let you know, the law is not bad. Do we overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold it. In other words, again, the law testifies to Jesus. The law is not done away with, but it is actually fulfilled in him. Amen. Uh, see, 53, I'm in good standing here. Chapter 4. So what Paul does now is he wants to give an example. And the example is Abraham. Verse number one. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does scripture say? And this is a quote from Genesis chapter 15. Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness. Now, that quote, let me, let me find where that's at. Okay. That quote is dealing with the promise that, look up, you, you see the stars up there? That's your descendants. And Abraham's looking at that going, I can't do that. And there's actually nothing I can do to earn that. By fact that he believed and had faith in God because of that, it was counted to him as righteousness. Nothing Abraham could do to earn the righteousness of God but be in faith and belief in him. So that's what the scriptures testify to. Verse 4. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift but as his due. So how many of y'all went to work today? You're going to get a paycheck for that time you put in, right? Why? You earned it. And if they don't pay you what they said they would, you have cause to go take them to court and get it. Am I correct? So you earned what was coming to you. But Paul's saying that's not the way the thing with faith works. And, but verse 5, And to the one who does not work but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So Abraham is our forefather in faith. Now it's interesting, it goes on to talk about circumcision in Abraham. When Abraham received the promise in Genesis 15, it was a whole seven more years, maybe 14, seven or 14, one of the two, I'll have to look it up, till he was actually circumcised to seal the covenant with God. In other words, he was counted as righteous in God's sight in faith long before there was circumcision. And then, you know, after this, it was another 430, some say 600 years before the law was given to Moses. Hundreds of years. So our forefather in the faith was a man of faith, not a man of works. Not trying to earn. Now, did he obey God? Yep. Did God say, pick up and go to a place I'll show you? Yep, he went. When, when he actually had his son, and God said, hey, uh, how about you take him up there and, and sacrifice him? That sounds like crazy business, but Abraham obeyed. Abraham lived a life of faith. 
but his faithfulness counted him as righteous before circumcision and long before the law was given. That is our forefather. And we go back to Abraham as our example of the righteous live by faith. Amen. But even the Jews count him as their forefather. Even though we received the law, Paul's making an argument, okay, you had the law, the law was good for you. There was good reasons you had it, but you still have to live by faith to receive what Jesus is giving you in the gift of grace. All are in sin. All need Jesus. And all have to look back to Abraham and say, this is our example. As a matter of fact, he actually, right after this, he uses David as an example. Was David under the law? Yeah. Did David live in the law? Yes, he did. But watch what it says, verse 6. But just as David also speaks to the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. That's Psalm 32. But even David knew that he couldn't do enough works to receive forgiveness from God. That his forgiveness still had to come by faith. In his sin, he couldn't earn his way back into the good graces of God. Blessed is the one whose, whose sins are not counted against him. He didn't say blessed is the one who earns back respect from God. Blessed is the one that God does a work in you. And this is somebody that was under the law. So Paul is using examples from the past to make his case that the just will live by faith. Now let's see here. Oh boy, there's a lot to get into here. I'll tell you what, let's jump all the way down. You can read in between there. Let's jump all the way down to uh, verse 17. I'm sorry, 16. All the way down to 16. That is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all of his offspring. Now, again, who is the offspring of Abraham? Anybody who's in faith. The Jews count him as their father, though they had received the law, okay? But yet, again, Paul's making the argument they have to come into faith in Jesus. But even the Gentiles who now find faith in Jesus are brought into the family of Abraham. So that, that vision of, of the stars in the sky, so shall your descendants be, that's us. You know that? We're a part of that that those that are in faith in Christ Jesus are of the seed of Abraham. Now, let's see. I don't know where I left off. Okay. Verse 16 in the middle there. Not only to the inherent of the law, but also to the one who shares faith of Abraham, who is the father of all of us. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead. Didn't he have to kind of give life to Abraham and Sarah to have, have that child? They were old in age, well beyond their years to have children, but yet God brought life to the dead. I keep losing my place here. 
Oh, and calls into existence the things that do not exist. So God promised something to Abraham and called it into existence even though it did not exist. Verse 18. So here is our example. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Can we be people of faith like this? That we will not unwaver in our faith, in our active belief, our trust, and we will hold strong and true that God will do all of the things that he had promised. Amen? Abraham is our example. That is why faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words that was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Abraham's our example of how we approach and live life. I was in sin. I was a sinner in need of a savior. And when I heard the gospel message and faith was born in me, and that's, that's Romans 10.1, I believe, uh, and faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the message of Christ. Our faith is born when we hear the message of Jesus, right? My faith is active. I believe. I grab hold. Then now comes this life of faith that causes me to be in right standing and justification in God. The righteous live by faith. Amen. Now what happens to a life of faith? There is a way that we live. There is a life that is called. Amen. It's not, not just do whatever you want. Again, Paul's dealing with that. It's not, well, okay, so uh, again, if our faith, unfaithfulness highlights the faithfulness of God, why shouldn't we stay unfaithful? No, we're, we're eliminating that whole argument. There is a life of faith that learns a life of faithfulness in response. Amen. But Abraham's our example. We, we draw all the way back to the stories of Genesis of Abraham and his life. Was Abraham perfect? No, absolutely not. He did some stuff you go, wait a minute. As a matter of fact, you can read all through the scriptures, and these people that we consider uh, in, in the Bible, these, these great men and women of God, then we go, oh, wow, they were kind of messed up. But yet in faith, in a life of faith, they found themselves in justification because the righteous live by faith. Amen. So we don't waver, right? We don't shrink back. We stay firm in the face of even when it seems what God has promised is impossible. We don't waver. Abraham's 100 years old. You're going to have a kid. You're going you're to be a father of many nations. He's got nobody. He's 100 years old. But yet God's promise is true, and Abraham stayed in faith. 
And, and, and you, know, you know right now that this family of faith right here that we see around us is evidence of the promise of Abraham and that Abraham stayed in faith. What seemingly was impossible, and here we are. Not only is the family of faith in Jesus, but reading about the guy. Amen? So, he's our example. Let's stay strong. Let's not waver. Let's keep going. The God who promised is faithful, and his promises will be true. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's stop there. We'll jump in chapter 5 and 6 next time. Lord, refresh us. Lord, revive us. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Lord, fill us. Lord, fill us. Lord, as we live this life each and every day in faith, we believe, Lord, in you. We trust in you. We give ourselves wholly over to you, our entire being. We, we give it to you. That we learn to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, so help us. Help us live this life in faith. That even at sometimes it seems like your promises are far off and they're not right in front of us. That we don't waver and we don't shrink back. We hold true to what we know you have said. Not only in this life, but the life to come. So, Lord, do refresh us. Lord, do revive us. Lord, fill us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, if you need or want prayer or whatever, come on down. I'd love to pray with you before we head out tonight. By the way, Nicole Waters is, is coming Sunday to give the word. So come, be ready and to receive. It's going to be good, all right? But... Just wanted to tell you that so you can be ready for that. But if you want prayer tonight, come on down. I'd love to spend a couple of moments with you. So be blessed as you go. If not, we'll see you Sunday morning. And if you're not here Sunday, have a good 4th of July, by the way. That is on Monday. So have a good 4th. Uh, let me give you a pro tip. Don't shoot off a firework in your hand. That's a pro tip, all right? So I don't want to be praying for growth of fingers and stuff next week, okay? So anyways. Of course, I'm kidding, but not really. All right, we'll see. We'll see you next week.